hey, some days it may feel like the world is burning just a little bit, but you've come to the right place. Over here, we're still talking and learning. Hello, you're listening to Perpetual Learning. I'm Manjula Salvaraja. I'm Sudan Siva, and I always have and always will be learning. <laughs> and we're here to talk about two ideas on how to be successful in any field. Uh, they are specific knowledge and overwhelming desire. And, and we're going to tie them together for you. So let's kick this off. You know, tell me about Naval Ravikant and his tweet with these two phrases, again, specific knowledge and overwhelming desire, the tweet that got you thinking. So, I mean, I, you know, to start off, I'd say I view Naval Ravikant as a very profound thinker, you know, incredibly successful founder and investor. He founded AngelList, um, you know, and, and has since made, you know, a, a number of investments in almost every unicorn you can imagine. So he's always putting out very thought-provoking tweets, you know, highly recommend reading his blog posts, going through his podcast. I think there's even a book on some of the stuff he's shared as well. So, you know, this specific tweet, you know, basically said, you know, you really just need specific knowledge and overwhelming desire to seize any role in life with experience being irrelevant. And, you know, personally as someone to go through periods of imposter syndrome where, you know, I don't feel quite qualified on paper, at least, to do everything I do. It's quite encouraging. Wow, it is quite something to hear you say that you have imposter syndrome, which um, it's funny that I that I would probably I say I do, too. It's it's uh, it's quite uh, quite something. Anyway, that just I had to pause to recognize that. So explain this to me as simply as simply as possible. What does he mean by specific knowledge? Yeah, it's not necessarily measured in degrees or other accreditations. I look at it as the things you'd want to do, regardless of whether you were paid for it or you know rewarded in any way, or perhaps look at it as something that if you had nothing to do, what would you do with that time? And I find you know reading stories. Uh, about a lot of people hearing other people describe it for themselves, it comes naturally and builds on skills that you often pick up at a very young age. So it's, it's something that's, you know, truly that, that comes naturally to you. Well, what's interesting to me is that it's not about finding what's uh, really hot right now uh, and kind of riding that train, but but understanding yourself a little bit more and then and and then digging into those skills, right? And and really investing in those skills and perhaps even kind of uncovering them. So so talk to me about that idea of personal curiosity driving success. Totally. I mean, I think it's different for everyone. And I'll take myself and as as an example, my dad went down the entrepreneurial path where he ended up building an insurance brokerage, exploring many different paths before that. And he was also and still is quite involved in making investments on the side as well. And for me, watching him at a young age, it really fostered my curiosity around a few things when it came to first understanding how businesses work, understanding how to grow businesses, and then understanding how to make investments and, you know, essentially whether to invest in a business or perhaps, you know, any asset really. 
And, and so those experiences, you know, I'd say are, you know, were really formative for me and ultimately dictated my career path reflecting back on it as I tried to find a role that aligned with my personal curiosity and, and that has ultimately landed me at Constellation today. It was interesting because I have a a young person in my life, a, a very young woman who, you know, I've seen do a couple of things. I've seen them working on science projects that they get excited about, but notice that that what they get really psyched about is running lemonade stands. And, you know, when this person talks about pursuing science in the back of my head, what I keep thinking is, I, I really think that you have a knack for business and a passion for business. Is that what you're talking about here? Exactly. I think it's really just, again, like uncovering those things that you just really enjoy, regardless of, you know, what may seem topical, what may seem trendy at the time, but like moving past that and really just uncovering skills that you really just enjoy. Hmm. Why does this count more than getting you know, more degrees um, on our CVs and more letters behind our names or, or even gaining more experience? Yeah, and, you know, I'll start off by saying this might be an entirely separate conversation, but I just don't believe in the relevance of degrees or accreditations. And over time, I only suspect that they'll diminish in value, right? And, oh you know, for example, God. I know several... What? <laughs> Can we (laughs) hold on? Okay, we have to put a pin on that and you have to make sure we come back to that. So go on. But I just want you to jot it down somewhere that we're going to do a session on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Well, yeah, I'll I'll start off by saying, you know, I know several accountants, you know, let's take them as an example, um, who aren't passionate or actually curious about accounting and you know, Mandela, let's take yourself as an example. You have an engineering degree and, and look what you're doing today, right? Um, you know, definitely not engineering, perhaps at least in the traditional sense, right? And so finding alignment in personal curiosity and, and going the extra mile to demonstrate that curiosity to me is far more relevant than anything a degree or a certification can provide. That's that's really interesting. You know, it is uh, you do have something there that that I I'm now in journalism and I actually find it really easy for me to learn and get better at journalism because I I love doing it. So I think that I think there is some some wisdom to this. I'm I'm so glad to also see you tie this idea of figuring out what your edge is with the idea of commitment, of, of making a commitment to something versus chasing every shiny ball. So, so let's let's look at that. What is the shiny ball syndrome? Well, it's a concept that, you know, David Perel uh, refers to in his essay, Hugging the X-Axis, um, which is essentially based around the idea that today's generation in particular doesn't embrace the concept of commitment. and the shiny ball syndrome is just our tendency to keep chasing new things, essentially staying along the x-axis versus sticking to one particular area. And you know, it may not be the greatest story to tell, but by committing to one particular thing, you're often able to unlock a lot of advantages that you simply don't get from chasing new 
ideas, opportunities, or anything else. That's interesting. I think that that you and I probably know a ton of people that that uh, find themselves in these scenarios where they've gone from thing to thing or have a you know multiple hustles going, multiple uh, things that they're working on in their lives. Why do you think we're more susceptible to it in this era, and, and in in some ways? Uh, increasingly commitment phobic. I think there's probably a few explanations that can address this. You know, I'll start off, you know, first is cultural, right? We almost abuse our ability to make choices and often shy away from commitment just to show that we can, right? And, and oftentimes it's usually kind of um, against perhaps the wishes of, you know, older generations, right? That have, you know, come from a background of really committing to one thing and then becoming like, you know, a perfectionist at it. Um, the second I, I'd say comes from, you know, just all the options that we have, right? Like this whole culture of abundance. We, you know, it, it really makes it hard to actually stick um, with one choice and, and, you know, actually see it through. And, and the third is more sociological where you know, our time horizons just keeps shrinking, right? It, um, it's very uncommon to talk about your five-year or 10-year plan these days. And, you know, even, you know, let's take investing as an example. Uh, you know, there, there's often the saying that, you know, there's a tendency to overestimate what can be accomplished in the short term, let's say a quarter, and underestimate what can be done in the long term. And, you know, mm-hmm. that really applies to ourselves as well, where we're increasingly trained to receive and expect instant gratification, um, which ultimately makes it harder to commit to a longer, hori- longer term horizon. You know, the other thing that's really hard in a way is that it's really easy to try new things, sign up for new things and, and do new things with, with just all of the connectivity that we have around us. What do we stand to gain from, from crossing off some things on that list and, and really doubling down on a, on a few options? I think you you really benefit from the compounding effects of the smaller subset of things that you want to do or options that you take, right? And I think if you study any successful individual, you know, you come across, they, they essentially take a path where, you know, whether they do this consciously or unconsciously, they made the decision to over-index themselves in one area and spend less time on everything else. And, you know, the more extreme it is, typically the more extreme the outcome is as well. And, you know, obviously there's talent, luck, circumstance, all of that kind of stuff that play a role. But it really starts from focusing on a few things or perhaps even better, a single thing and, and avoiding everything else. Mm. Then, then take me to that that next step. For those of us that are commitment phobic, um, how do we approach this? How do we make commitments in our work lives and, and our, the other parts of our lives too? Yeah, I think, you know, there's probably a misnomer where, you know, you, the idea of making a commitment feels like such a life-changing moment, but you, know, mm-hmm. you can really start small, right? Mm-hmm. You can, you know, start small, commit a couple of hours to, you know, any one particular thing, and then just consistently double down, right? Like it's, it's like building any other habit. Uh, and, and, you know, if you have the urge to spend time on something else, just, you know, assign, you know, an arbitrary, you know, dollar per hour, let's say, you know, the opportunity cost of not doing this one thing is perhaps $1,000 an hour. And, 
you know, quickly you can figure out, you know, what's actually worth doing and, and what isn't. Mm. You know, what's interesting about all this is I, I, I'm reading a book right now called a 4,000 Weeks. It's a book by Oliver Berkman. At least I think that's how his last name is pronounced. And it has some of the same ideas about working on just a select few things, but he approaches it from a completely different direction. Um, really looking at how much time each of us has on earth. Uh, the premise is that the average person has 4,000 weeks to live, which is why the, the title of the book is 4,000 Weeks. And that in those 4,000 weeks, most of us are trying to fit too much in. So I'm, I, I don't know if I can recommend the book yet because I'm, I'm still to decide, um, if the book is a useful read or just one of those things where it should have been a short essay and, and somehow, you know, an author is convinced uh, a publishing house to make it into a long book. So I can't make that decision yet. I actually, in comparison, found an essay that you had recommended in your newsletter by David Perel. I, I found that essay actually more profound, but you know, there is one thing that I arrived at, you know, I think that if you look at both of these pieces of work, um, Oliver Berkman's book and, and David Perel's essay on both of these topics, and, and we really meditate on, on how we spend our days, uh, how we spend our days, the conclusion that we arrive at is that if we do a few things well, and we do them for a long time, not only can it lead to more success, but potentially also to less anxious lives. And, and those are two really great outcomes, you know? Absolutely. I think, you know, life becomes a lot more simpler um, if you focus on a few things versus trying to worry and ultimately do everything at once. Ah, there you have it. Well, great topic today, and I'm uh, looking forward to the chat next week. Sounds great. Chat soon.